Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so happy you took the time to be here. This message is the first in our new series called Under Pressure. Whatever you're doing, sit back, relax, enjoy. Somebody, let's go. The snow didn't stop y'all from getting here. So God is still good. We're still going to praise him. Uh, It's a brand new series. Uh, It's all about pressure. Anyone in this room ever feel pressure before? Man, there's so many different types of pressure in life. There's the pressure to provide. Anyone ever felt that pressure before? Like, oh my gosh, people are counting on me. I got kids. I got a family. There's the pressure to perform. Social media, right? Like, people need to see my life. I can't just live my life. People need to see it. There's the pressure to perform. With that comes the pressure uh, of perfection. And so I'm super excited for this series, super excited for what God's going to do. All that to say, this morning... Uh, We're going to talk all about pressure. Next week, part two of this series, we're going to talk a lot about anxiety. Uh, Statistics are telling us that anxiety is on the rise like never before. And so what that means is chances are you or someone that you know uh, struggles or deals with anxiety. And so I want to encourage you to be here next week. Uh, I checked the weather. I don't think there's going to be a snowstorm next week. And so uh, you can still bring uh, your friends, your family. It's going to be really good. This morning, we're going to speak all about pressure uh, every single morning I start with a Bible verse. Uh, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, it says this. It says, we are pressed on every side by, tr- by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but I get up again. Anyone know that song? But we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. I want to share the title of our message this morning, and it's a title, it's a statement, and it's something that I think all of us can begin to believe in our lives, and it's this, it's I'm better under pressure. I'm better under pressure. Y'all, you guys are not loud enough, so I'm going to need you to turn the person next to you and let them know I'm better under pressure. I was, I was talking with someone about the process that I go through when it comes to creating my sermons. And what I was telling this person was that, uh, for me, the easy part of, of creating messages is taking a passage of Scripture and then bringing something out of it. Because just the Bible is so rich, it has so much to say. You guys saw we were in David for six weeks and we barely even touched his story. But the harder part for me about about creating messages is I love to fill my messages with rich illustrations. I love to tell stories. If you guys have been here, you know I tell a lot of stories. And I was talking to this person, and I said, for me, the harder part about message prep is is coming up with relevant illustrations. Because I think that we all can understand words, but we connect better with stories. And so I love telling stories. And I just told them, sometimes there's pressure to think of good stories. But then I told them something. I said, if I was allowed to come up here, and, and by allowed, I'm, this is my church. I, I make the rules. Uh, it's my self-imposed rule. <laughs> but I, I, I told them, if I could come up here and just speak strictly on sports and use sports illustrations, it would be the easiest thing ever. Because I think that sports mirror real life. And uh, I love sports. And so I could come up here and just give you illustration after illustration after illustration using sports. But uh, I hold back. Uh, because I know that not everyone loves sports as much as I do. However, this morning, I want to use a sports illustration, uh, because I think when it comes to pressure, sports and pressure go hand in hand. And so I've told you guys this before, but I play in a pretty intense uh, hockey league. It's a beer league. 
And uh, we're pretty close to the Oilers. <laughs> Step below. Um, but it's pretty serious. And I remember in one of our games last year, um, the person that was running the team made a critical error. I would never tell you that my brother runs the team, but <laughs> the person, whoever that is, that's running our team last year made a critical error. For those who know about hockey, there's a thing called a shootout. And if the game goes into a shootout, a shootout is a whole lot different than the game. Because in the game, it's a team sport, right? You guys know how shootouts work? But in a shootout, it's kind of just one-on-one. And so the person running the team, whoever that person was, they have the big responsibility of choosing who shoots. And so in this one particular game, I'll never forget what happens. Uh, the person running the team, my brother, uh, he, went, he went to someone on our team, and uh, I need to understand this. He's a good player, the, the person that he went to. But he said, hey, I want you to shoot in the shootout. And the guy on our team said something very interesting. He said, oh, are you sure you want me to shoot? And my brother was like, yeah, no, you got this. And uh, I was sitting right there, and I was perplexed by the whole situation. <laughs> and so needless to say, you all can figure out why on your own, but needless to say, he's a good player, don't get it wrong, the person that he chose. But he went in there, and, and he looked just kind of shy, even as he was skating in, like, the pressure of the world was on his shoulders, and needless to say, he didn't score. Uh, but the thing I want you to understand is that the person that he chose is a good player. But there's something that happens with pressure. You see, pressure has the ability to do two things. It can either propel us or it can crush us. And so in those moments, you don't want the guy that's, temper that's just saying, I don't know if this is really the best situation for me. You want the person that's practically crawling to get onto the ice because pressure has the ability to change situations. And so where I want to go this morning is I want to speak all on the subject of pressure. Because like I said, I believe that pressure can do two things in our lives. It can form us or it can crush us. And this morning what I want to do is I want to begin to help us look at pressure in a brand new light. And I know for some of us right now, you're feeling a different type of pressure. Like I said off the top, maybe it's a pressure to provide a pressure to, to perform, whatever the pressure may be. And for a lot of us in our situations, it can almost seem insulting to equate the pressures of life with a beer league hockey game. Now, I'm not saying that they're on the same level, but I think that there's something from this story that we can apply to our lives. I think pressure has the ability to do one of two things to us. It can form us or it can crush us. This morning, what I want to do is I want us to begin to see how we can look at pressure as something not to crush us, but something that can form us. Anyone ready to go this morning? Yeah. We're in part one of this series. It's, all, it's called Under Pressure, and I'm super excited because I know that if I surveyed this room, if I went and handed this mic around, I'm sure every single one of us could tell me something they have in their life that's crushing them right now, something in their life that is causing pressure in their lives. And so this morning what I want to do is I want us to begin to get a proper perspective on pressure. Because I think if we can look at pressure in a new light, we can begin to have victory in all of our situations. This morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at a character in the Bible by the name of Paul. Uh, as I just said, we've been with David for six weeks, and so we're putting David to bed uh, for a little while. Y'all say bye, David. But we're going to look at Paul, and Paul is one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. If you're new to the Bible, uh, Paul is someone that actually wrote over half the New Testament. He's one of the first Christians uh, to really just go out and start planting churches. And so he did all of these amazing things, and he is still known to this day. But the reason I love Paul and his story is because for Paul, 
the reason we know Paul today is not really because of any great battles that he won. It's because Paul was able to stand firm in the midst of great pressure. And what I wanted to see in Paul's life is that pressure actually propelled him to the platform that God had for him. And the reason we know Paul today is because Paul was better under pressure. And so we're going to read some Bible verses this morning. It's in 2 Corinthians. Before we get there, I'll just kind of give the context for which Paul is writing. You see, Paul in his life, his life is pretty much constantly filled with pressure. If he wasn't uh, being beaten up, he was shipwrecked, he was abandoned. There was points when he was literally stoned. You're like, what does that mean to be stoned? It literally means people throw rocks at you. That happened to Paul. His life was filled with pressure. And in the situation we pick up our Bible verse in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church that he himself had planted. He started the church. Much like kind of we started Kingdom Church, Paul started the church in Corinth. But something happened when Paul left the church that he planted. The church started talking ish about him. And they started questioning his character. And basically just saying, who is this guy? And so Paul had all of these things in his life, all of these pressures, but this was a whole new pressure. Because the people that he had helped formed have turned against him. That'd be rough. I can kind of relate to Paul. If that were to happen to me, I'd probably cry. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the situation has resolved itself. And so Paul is now writing on the other end of pressure. And he's writing to us with the perspective, having been out of it. And from Paul's, uh, Paul's uh, writings, I want us to take just a few things that I think can apply to us in our lives when we feel pressure. You guys ready to go? Y'all ready? All right, let's do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this. This is Paul. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I want us to see something. Our first point is really simple. But Paul, in a second, is going to get really deep into pressure. But Paul is setting the context for which he's about to speak about pressure. You see, what Paul is saying, he's saying, the reason I'm able to get through things is because my life isn't about me. It's about Jesus. I preach Jesus. I preach Christ crucified. And now listen to this, friends. Our first point is super simple. I know not all of us are pastors or preachers or church planters, but I think this point is universal. In life... The quickest way to feel the pressure of the world is to believe that everything falls on my shoulders. To believe it begins and ends with me. What Paul is saying, he's saying, I don't go around talking about me, I talk about Jesus. And so here's our first point this morning. We want to deal with pressure. How can we get pressure to make us better? We realize that it's not all on me. If you're a note-taking people, write this down. If you're not a note-taking people, write this down. Declare it over your life. It's not all on me. I think the reason that so many of us feel pressure is because we have bought in the lie that says everything that happens in my life, it falls on my shoulders. I'm the one who provides. I'm the one who's in charge. And you can live that way, but that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. It's funny, I was in, uh, I was in the nursery this week with my wife, and we were just sitting there, and she asked me a real funny question. She was like, and for those who don't know, my wife is pregnant with twins. Come on, somebody. Um, this is like, I say it every week, but in case, in case you're new, you need to know the context for, for our lives. And uh, they're due in like six days, so they should be here soon. 
Come on, somebody. But we were sitting in the nursery um, of, the, of the unborn babies. We're just sitting in there. Just They're not there yet. Um, but she asked me a funny question. She's like, she just went. She's like, so what do you know about babies? Like, as if this was some sort of job interview. What do you know about babies? And I was like, I know how to make them. Come on, somebody. Welcome to Kingdom Church, baby. <laughs> but she, she was like, what do you know about, and, I, and to be honest, I'm just going to be straight up, I don't know a whole lot about babies. And in the midst of our conversations, we came to a bunch of realizations. I've never held a newborn before. I've never even really held like anything below six months before, and that's because I refuse to. And so she just started telling me all these things, and she's like, well, do you know that when they go to sleep, like they can't be on their back or on their stomachs? They have to be on their backs, and I was like, that doesn't sound very comfortable. She's like, no, if they're on their stomachs, like they'll suffocate. And then she told, told me about wiping and just all of these crazy things that I had no knowledge of. And now, for me, I, in that situation, this has really been kind of my whole pre-parenthood journey, is that people have been giving me advice on things. I've realized something about pre-anything, whether it's pre-marriage, pre-job. People have got a lot of advice. And so pre-parenthood, people have a ton of advice. Like, this is the car seats you should buy. This is how you need to swaddle the thing. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just being straight up. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a pretty, like, I have knowledge on a vast variety of things. I don't know much about babies. In fact, I don't know anything about babies. And now, this next statement, y'all may think I'm crazy, but I'm just setting the backdrop. But I'm not nervous or anxious for these kids in the slightest. You want to know why? It's because of Christy. I'm just be, you see, there, there's a few things you need to understand about Christy. Number one, she's a nurse. And so, like, she knows these things. Like, she was in the prenatal or delivery, whatever it's called. Like, she was there. She's, she's been babysitting before she could talk herself. And, like, she's been watching kids her entire life. And if that wasn't enough, she has that, like, maternal instinct. You guys know about that? Just a side note, ladies, I, I, we live in this world where we're like, hey, we want to be like men. We want to be equal to men. Uh, can you guys stop? Uh, just listen, you guys are way above us. So don't bring yourself down. Right? Don't bring yourself down here. Like, stay up there. Right? Because you guys, y'all just know so much stuff and it's just like in you. I don't know anything. But because she knows all those things, I'm not worried. I'm not anxious in the slightest because I know my job when those babies are born, I just got to show up. That's the, I just got to listen to whatever she tells me to do. Now, understand this. One baby, that's a lot of pressure. Two babies, that's crazy, but I'm not worried because I have total confidence in my wife, and I have total confidence that with her by my side, I'll be better than I am by myself. And she's going to teach me things that I never knew anything about. I hope you guys see where I'm going. Because in life, what I'm trying to say is that we need to begin to believe that you have someone on your side that is qualified, and his name is Jesus, and he's been there before. Come on, somebody clap your hands. One of my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. In fact, he knows exactly what we're going through. Because unlike, and this is just whatever background you come from, you can say, I believe in this, I believe in that, that's fine. I'm not here to change your mind. But I am here to tell you that the God that I serve, he's like no other God because no other God has come here in human form and felt what we feel. No God can sympathize, no God can empathize like the God that we serve. 
He's been there and he's done that. And so what that means in situations, whether it be at work, whether it be with our families, we can have the confidence to say, guess what? It's not all on me. Paul says, it's not all on me. I've been through some things, but I've never been alone. I love what Paul says in Philippians. He says this. He says, being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it out until the completion, out into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, what Paul's letting us know is this. Whatever you're going through in life, whether it's a job, whether it's your family, whatever situation, if God has called you to it, if God's walking you through it, he's going to see you to the end. Our confidence is in this. It's not in me. I'm better under pressure, but it's not because of me. It's because of Jesus. And my confidence is that he who begun will not stop. He's not going to stop. You see, when we begin to believe that it's all on me, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. But we don't have to do this alone. We don't have, but I think we live in a time like never before, and you guys can see this, where it's like, no, 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 the result does end with me. I get what you're saying. It's not all in me, but Harrison, I'm the one that goes to work. I'm the one that's raising these kids. Hashtag on my grind. It's, you see, we can think like that. We can live like that, and so many of us do. And that's why there's people that are working themselves to death, literally to death. Because it's like, well, this is all on me. If it's not me, then who's going to do it? But this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to begin to shift our perspective and to begin to believe, hey, I'm not in this by myself. Jesus promises to be there with me. Again, we can do this by ourselves, but that's a lot of pressure. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. I love what Paul says, because Paul makes one thing clear. We all have great potential. We all have a light shining in us. We all have the ability to do amazing things. But I love the metaphor that he uses, because it's so rich. He compares us to a jar, and a jar can get filled up, and a jar can get pulled out, and a jar can be life-giving. But he adds one word that's extremely important. He says, we are like a fragile clay jar. And what that means is for as great as our potential is, it can all crash in a moment. Y'all ever have a good week, then Friday's like my life is falling apart? That's because you're a fragile clay jar. But listen to what Paul is saying. Paul is saying in those moments, and maybe you're in a moment right now where you feel like the pressure is too much. You feel like you're one second away from giving up. Paul is saying, hey, guess what? That's not a bad thing. The reason that we crack, the reason that we break is to show us something, is to show us that our great power is not from ourselves. It's not all about me. There's someone else. There's someone greater. And so we can run and we can run and we can run, but eventually the reality of our humanity will come through and we'll begin to crack. But Paul says this is meant to show us that our power is not from ourselves. We need to rely on a greater source because you're only as useful as what you're plugged into. I'm in a, a situation. I'm trying to decide if I should upgrade my phone. Uh, I have the iPhone 7. Come on, somebody. Anyone stuck like four years ago? Um, and just one thing clear, I'm team iPhone for life, team Apple for life. From the grave, Steve, I'm still for you. Uh, I'll, never, I'll never go to Android. Um, but I, I, I've been wanting to upgrade my iPhone, but I found something like really interesting. Uh, 
I think Apple's run out of ideas. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to just be straight up. Like, I was at the Apple store last weekend, and I was looking at all the models from the 8 all the way to like the 11 Max, XR, ZWQ, whatever they have now. And uh, I was looking at them, and I was reading all the differences. And like, I mean, obviously the camera gets a little bit better, because whatever, but it's like very minimal. <laughs> But I was reading between all of these things, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, the only difference between, like, the 11 and the 10 that I can read is that the battery lasts a little bit longer. And uh, I'm going to be honest, though. I've got the iPhone 7, <laughs> and my phone dies fast. Like, the Apple does that on purpose, I'm pretty sure. They need you to upgrade. And so I fully understand Apple's out of ideas. But when I see extended battery life, I'm like, that actually sounds quite good. And... <laughs> Like, it still gets me every time, and so I want this new phone. And, and it's funny because my phone just dies all the time. Like, i got to charge it twice a day, and it's super annoying. But I was thinking about iPhones this week, and I was just like, man, like, literally, with these phones, we have access to anything in the world. Like, these phones, like, it's in our pocket. Like, we can watch Netflix. We can watch YouTube. I can FaceTime someone in India, whatever it is. Literally, the whole database of, of human existence can fit in my pocket. Our phones, and for all you Androids, you guys are the same thing. We all have it. But what I realize is for as great as a potential as our phones have, our phones are still reliant on a greater source. They still need to be plugged in. It's funny because after all of these years and like all the way that technology has advanced, you would think that the phones could just last forever. But they still need to be plugged in. Have you guys ever been somewhere you need your Google Maps and your phone dies? Your phone has this great potential, but guess what? When it's dead, it's useless. It's just a block. It's a paperweight. You see, for as great as the potential as our phones have and will continue to have, it still relies on something that was invented 100 years ago. Still needs to be plugged in. Listen to this, church. I think us as people, I think we're kind of like the iPhone 11 Max. Like, I think as people, we're kind of, like, pushing forward. And so we found out a way where, like, I can extend myself further. I can do more. And maybe it's just caffeine. I don't know. But we can extend. We can extend. We can extend. But guess what? Here is the reality of our humanity. We're a fragile clay jar, and you still need to be plugged in. And if we never connect back to our source, we will inevitably and eventually die. We'll run out of power. And that's what Paul is trying to say. Paul is trying to say the reason that we run out of power is to point us to something. So listen to this. I'm trying to get us to see pressure in a new way. What if when we feel pressure, it was just a gauge to help us realize, hey, I need to connect to a greater source. You see, I talk to people all the time, and I hear this sentiment, and I heard it again this week. And people are like, hey, like, I have a lot of friends, um, and they're really good people, but they're not Christians. Um, like, how do we reconcile this? Like, what do we need God for? People can be good without God. And uh, I hear Christians and non-Christians say this very same thing, and I think the answer is quite simple. Christianity, Jesus, God, the main purpose we follow God is not to be good. That's not what God, answer, that's not what God wants in our life, is just to be good. You see, when God came to earth, when he sent Jesus, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And Jesus came to make broken people whole. And so y'all can go on and be good, but Jesus wants us to be whole. That's what he's asking in our lives. And so we can say, I don't need God to be good. And guess what? You're right. But I believe this to be true. You do need God to be whole. 
and, and you can run and you can run and you can run, but guess what? You're not going to feel whole. You're going to feel like you're under pressure and you're just cracking constantly. But Jesus offers us something better. He offers us the way out, the way of escape, the way that says, hey, the pressure of the world is not all on me. When I go to work, it's not all on me. When I'm raising my kids, it's not all on me. As I'm studying for this test, it's not all on me. As I'm caring for my family that is sick, it's not all on me. I have a greater source. And so Paul says this. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned. We get down, but we're not destroyed. Anyone seen a trend here? But, but. But though suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that in the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Paul says whatever pressure we're going through, it's not going to crush us. If we have Jesus, you may feel it. You may feel it, but it's not going to crush you. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. And so when you feel that pressure, what if we could begin to look at that pressure as a gauge? and say, I'm feeling this tremendous weight. I'm feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders. I need to recalibrate. I need to connect back to the source. I need to plug back in. I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. And so here's the point I'm trying to say. What if we could begin to flip our perspective on pressure? Flip our perspective on pressure. What if instead of running away from pressure, we began to lean into it? We began to say, whenever I feel this pressure, it's pointing me back to a greater source. It's like this. I, was, I have a group chat uh, on WhatsApp, and uh, it's just, it's with people that uh, we've known for a long time. A lot of them are, are, are pastor friends and things of that nature. And uh, in this group chat, um, one of the guys said to me, um, he was like, hey, he's like, I've been listening to your sermons. And this is a pastor himself, and I felt honored that he was listening to, listening to like, the messages here at Kingdom. And then two more people were like, hey, we also listen to your messages. We've heard them all. And this was a great honor because, like, these guys are pastors themselves. And they don't got to listen to me, but they did. Uh, but in that moment when they said that, I started to feel two things. Number one, I felt a little bit bad because I don't listen to any of their stuff. <laughs> and if you guys are listening, honesty is the best policy. <laughs> but number two, I started to feel a little bit of pressure, right? Because I'm like, man, these guys are, are preachers listening to me. Like, I better have something to say. And it's funny because I felt that pressure before. It's like, I remember this one time this girl was like, hey, she's like, my mom's not a Christian, and she's coming to church, so it better be good. <laughs> and I was like, thank you so much for the pressure. But you see, when we can flip our perspective and begin to see pressure in a brand new light, it's not something to run away from. It's something to lean into. And so in that moment, if I feel this weight, like it's all on me, I know I need to recalibrate. I know that I'm looking at pressure in the wrong way because it's not all on me. God's going to be there. All I got to do is show up. All I got to do is keep working hard. Now listen to this, church. When I say it's not all on you, I'm not saying quit your jobs. But you just need to realize that someone's there with you. And his name is Jesus. And when we can begin to do that, we can begin to look at pressure in a new way. Not as something to run away from, but something to lean into. Because what I can say to myself is, hey, these people are listening, oh my gosh, what pressure. Or I can say, these people are listening, what a privilege. What a privilege that God would choose me to do this. Now listen, I want to help you in your life.
because right now there's some people at work, you feel pressure. And it's like, man, I don't know if I can make it through. But when we know that we need to recalibrate, we can look to Jesus in that time we feel pressure, we can begin to look in a brand new light. And we can say to ourselves, hey, this pressure is crushing me. Or we can say with our brand new perspective, I'm so blessed to have a job because there's someone out here that is praying for the pressure that I feel right now. They're praying for the position that I'm in. Listen to this. You're raising your family and you feel that pressure. There are literally people out there praying for that pressure. Praying, I, I, we want kids. We're trying, it's just not working. What if we could begin to believe that the pressure you feel, someone's praying for? I hear people complain all the time. Like, they don't complain, but they just warn us. Like, twins are coming. Like, y'all better be scared. I mean, talk to me in two weeks, but as of now, I'm not going to complain because it's a pressure that someone else is praying for, and it's a blessing. And so what he's saying, what God is saying, what I'm trying to get us to do under pressure is to begin to look at pressure in a brand new light, not as something to crush us, but something to form us. You see, when we look at it like that, we can begin to run into things. We can begin to say, coach, put me in the game. I'm better under pressure. I'm better under pressure. I want to close on this verse because some of us are saying to ourselves, well, Harrison, what about the things in life that just feel like they're crushing us? What about the things in life I can't find a purpose for? What is the purpose for the pressure? Look what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. He says, for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. I love what he says. You see what Paul's doing? Paul is putting pressure in perspective. He's saying whatever we feel, it's only going to last for a little while. It's not going to last forever. Can I speak to someone right now? The pressure that you're feeling, it's not going to last forever. And that pressure that you're feeling, it's not going to crush you. But look what he says. He says the pressure that you feel is actually going to produce something. And it's going to produce something that vastly outweighs whatever pressure you're feeling. Now, I need us to understand something because what Paul is doing here, Paul is making an allusion to Jesus. For those who do not know the story of Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, Jesus went to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And what happened at the Garden of Gethsemane is that Jesus felt the weight of what was about to happen. You see, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so the fully God part of Jesus knew what was going to happen next. He knew the pressure that he was about to face. He was about to be crucified. But the fully man version of Jesus felt the weight and felt the pressure that we all feel. And so Paul is making an allusion to this moment. What he's saying, he's saying sometimes the pressure that you feel in the moment, it's going to feel like it's overwhelming. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible tells us that he was literally sweating drops of blood. This is a real medical condition. It's rare, but it's real. That's the amount of pressure that he was feeling. But the Bible lets us know because of the joy set before him, Jesus was faithful and obedient up to point of death on a cross. But listen, because Jesus paid the price, because Jesus felt the weight of sin, the pressure of sin, every single one of us, because of the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, we have salvation. Come on, somebody. And so what, what, what he's saying, what Paul is saying, he's saying in our lives, guess what? He's saying that pressure that you feel, it has the same purpose. It's there to produce something. 
And I want to tell us something. I want to close on this. Our last point is pressure produces. Listen to this. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I believe that the reason that Jesus went there was very purposeful and it was very intentional. The word Gethsemane literally means olive press. And it was at the base of the Mount of Olives. And I don't think that Jesus does anything by accident. But Jesus was painting a very real object lesson by going to the Garden of Gethsemane, by going to the olive press. You see, what Jesus was showing us, and if you know anything about an olive, when it's pressed, it creates oil. It creates something new. Some of us would say it creates something better. You see, what, what Jesus is saying, what Paul is I need to know, is in that pressure in our life, it actually produces something. It is there to make us better. Pressure produces. I want to encourage you as we close, friends, whatever you're feeling right now, let's stand up, church. We're going to close. I'll invite the worship team to come up. I want to sing one more time. That pressure that you're feeling is there to produce something. It's there to produce something. Paul finishes with this. He says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze. We fix our eyes on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. That pressure you're feeling right now is not meant to crush you. It's only here for a time. It's only here for a season. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. We do something every single week in this church. We give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus. There's someone here this morning, you feel like you're crushed. But I want to encourage you, you're persecuted, you're crushed, but you're not abandoned by God. He's here with you, he's close, he's ministering to your heart right now. We want to give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus. This morning, if you want to give your life to Jesus, it's super simple. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm going to count to three, and all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand. When you raise your hand, what you're saying is, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's a recommitment. But what you're doing is saying, God, I want to give you my pressure. I want to give you my anxiety. I want you to crush me to do something through me. You want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. It's super simple. And one, two, three. Just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I need you now more than ever. I give you my everything. I give you my wins. I give you my sins. I pray, God, you make me a new creation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. listen we hope that message encouraged and inspired you if you've never been to kingdom church in person we want to encourage you head over to kingdomchurch.ca and plan your visit today we can't wait to meet you until next time take care